Hey, welcome to the Outside Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. Hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. If you could just say, God, I'm ready for a fresh anointing. I'm ready for a different move. I'm ready for a flow. If you could high five somebody and say, I came to receive uh, something new. I I I came expecting. I I I came ready. Tell somebody, are you ready? And if you're not ready, you better get ready. Uh, Tell somebody, I'm not leaving empty-handed. I'm not leaving empty-handed. I know that God is bringing uh, some solid food. Tell them, you know what? God is preparing a buffet for you right now. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody tell somebody, I'm about to eat a buffet. I'm about to eat a buffet. And as you're sitting down on somebody, fasten your seatbelt. God is good. God is great. Amen. I always get excited to be in the house of the Lord. There is no better place to be than in his presence. Amen. And as we have more time, I want to acknowledge the outside church for their hospitality. Uh, We get to minister by the grace of God in many places. But Ty and I were sharing this has been a place that has received us with so much love. Um, There is a difference when people receive you out of obligation. You never want to get to a place where you do things out of obligation because you do them without love and you do that without passion and then you do it all mad and burned out and tell somebody, I don't love you out of obligation. I love you because I, I want to love you, right? Right? Okay, all right. We're going to put that out there because, you know, some folks be mad all the time because they're just doing things out of obligation, but I know that doesn't happen here in the outside church. So, but I just want to thank um, Luce uh, for her hospitality. She is awesome. Uh, you know, uh Pastor Marsha, they want to be feeding me all the time. And I'm just like, I'm not hungry. Like, you know, um, and I heard Chino said, man, she didn't want to have dinner and I could have had steak last night. But, you know, Chino, women will understand. We try not to eat past seven sometimes, you know. All the women in the house that know what I mean, okay. But we eating today because I told him we eating because we completed the assignment, amen. But God is awesome. The outside church is forever encrypted in my heart. Honestly, I just told your pastora, what size are your shoes? Because I like him. She was getting ready to take her shoes off and give them to me. I mean, that shows her heart, amen? Uh, But then she told me a little story where she said that one time she was in a service and she asked somebody for the shoes, and then when they gave it to her, she said, well, prepare yourself because from now on you'll be a preacher. I told her I don't want to be a pastor, so keep your shoes on. Keep them on. Keep them on. You know, so, you know, but God is great. God is awesome. We had an amazing time here in Port St. Lucie. Uh, God has been great, Sister Sandra. Everybody is just, listen, when you are a speaker on assignment, it is a very stressful thing, I'll tell you that. There's pressure. There's, you know, things that happen at home. But when you receive with so much love, it is an amazing thing to do. My pastor, uh, Regan D'Onofrio, reached out to me, and he said, are they treating you well? I said, better than y'all. <laughs> I know it's on Facebook. And then, of course, our, my bishop, Reverend Dr. Kitim Silva, 
Um, I saw, Pastor, one of your posts. You put like a Pentecostal video from back in the days. I was doing my bun today, and I said, I came with a Pentecostal bun this Sunday because I feel like getting a little Pentecostal. Y'all remember those days where we were under the glory of God, where we had nobody that had to push us to praise God, when we were up on our feet just giving God glory, and we're like, God, if you don't bless me, I ain't going nowhere. If you don't bless me, I'm not leaving here. I dare you to tell God, if you don't bless me, I ain't leaving. If you don't shake me up, I ain't leaving. I'm tired of folks coming to church like it's a community thing. I want to come to a sanctuary where the only thing that matters is that I get in God's face and I tell him, I came to receive my blessing. I came to receive my breakthrough. Oh, y'all wanted me to preach? I'm appreciating to you like it is. It's up to you how bad you want this breakthrough. So at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to get on your feet. I'm going to ask you to give God a praise. A praise like you mean it. One, two, three. Bless me, Father. Because I'm not letting you block the blessing. Tell somebody, move out the way. Because I came expecting to receive something. All right, I'm going to stop. Y'all can say, y'all can say, y'all can say, y'all can say. My goodness, God is good. Clearly, God is in this place, in this house. Amen. Come with me to the book of. First of Corinthians chapter 3. My God. Do you know why God is so evident in the outside church? Because your pastors truly seek God. You can go to a place and you immediately know if its leaders are connected with God or not. You can go to a place and you immediately know this is just business. But there is no way that in every service there's a, just a different manifestation of God. It's just crazy. I can tell you, I've preached in many churches, and by the third service, everybody's falling asleep. And not because of me. But just because they're not in tap with it. Your leaders pour out what they seek. Amen. First of Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. 
Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men, for one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos? Are ye not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Can I just say that again? But God made it grow. Who made it grow? Mm -hmm. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow. Who makes it grow again? The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. Somebody say one purpose. And each will be rewarded according to his own labor. Somebody say own. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and God's building. Tell your sister and your brother, it just needs water. Corinth is a city with much carnality. They were not a city or a culture of people that embraced a Judeo-Christian understanding of who God was. In fact, they served a multiple amount of gods and some served no gods at all. There were very different religions in Corinth. And then there were some that had no religion to follow at all. Then Paul comes into Corinth and he begins to minister to them and he injects the seed of the gospel with the hope that they may end up harvesting a love and pursuit of God. And we must understand that what we just read is a letter that Paul is writing to them and he wrote this letter when he had left and then he receives this report that there is a division of a group of Christians in Corinth and there was a group of Christians that were arguing amongst themselves and like I shared with you on Friday there is nothing more dangerous than a group of Christians arguing it gets kind of nasty it gets kind of resentful it gets kind of I want to put team A on my side, team B on the other side. It's kind of like what we do. It, it gets kind of like dirty. We don't care who we step on and we don't care what we say as long as people agree to our opinion. And so there was this division happening in Corinth where one group was saying we are team Apollos and the other group was saying we are team Paul and the other group was saying well he's the better preacher and the other one was saying well he's the better teacher and the other group was saying we want to follow him and the other one was saying no we want to follow him kind of like sometimes in services where they're like we want to hear Pastor Glory instead of Pastor Ishmael or we want to hear this one sing instead of the other. 
mother sing because this one sings better or the other one pronounces things better or the other one does this better. But the reality is that then we are losing focus on the realness of the thing because we are all serving for one true purpose. And so there was this big fight and Paul is upset and he's telling them, you're acting carnal. This is not the right thing to do. And he says, you are carnal in your division. And you're not looking at the situation with the right perspective. He begins to tell them that what they are doing is disruptive because there is no person here that can tell me that division is a godly thing. If you think that division is a godly thing, then come up and I'll pray for you because division is never godly. That is why if anybody is murmuring to your ear something that is close to division, then I ask you that you back away because it is not God's intent to divide. And so the Holy Spirit is in the business of multiplication. Anything that is contrary to that is not of God. Because God is always in the business of making us one. You are carnal, he says. How can you say, I am of Apollos, and the others say, I am of Paul, if they're all preaching the same that is why I don't understand when certain organizations say, well, we only invite those that are part of our organization. Well, we only attend the services that are part of our this. And I respect organizations and councils and all that stuff because I'm on Facebook Live. But the thing is, we're all preaching about the same. And so if you don't believe me, one time I was invited to minister and they called me the day before and they said, I'm sorry, you're not part of our council. You cannot minister here. And I said, well, I guess we ain't speaking about the same God. Now, the backstory to this is that Apostle Paul is an intellect without a doubt. This is not to say that God only uses people that are intellect because God used Peter and yet you know, Peter being Peter, he was the day, the one that preached on the day of Pentecost. I mean, look at me, look at you. He uses us even with our mess. But because of Paul's intellectual ability, he was able to use Paul in ways that he couldn't use Peter. So it's no mystery that Paul was a very smart we see it in the words that he writes these letters. They're very intellect. I could never write a letter like that. If I was Paul writing this letter, I'd be like, y'all need to stop it before I show up. <laughs> but he was telling them, this is what's going on. I fed you milk, not solid, all this. I would have been like, fix yourself before I roll there. So we don't see Paul to be someone as not savvy, but he is an expertise in writing. That was his expertise. He knew how to write. But when Apollos came, people began to do a comparison. And man, comparison is such an evil thing. 
And so people began to say, yeah, Paul, he's an expert in writing, but we kind of like the way Apollos does things. And they began to compare because they said that Apollos was more eloquent in his ways and he was a little bit easier to understand. And so I just think about Paul and how I would have reacted if somebody would have done the comparison. I would have said, but after all the work I've done, along comes Apollos. Who is even Apollos? I mean, the one that says, I've been in church 15 years, and I've been praying they let me run the coffee ministry, and along comes John, who's just been here four weeks, and he's now in charge of the coffee ministry. Or the one that's saying, but I've been the one that's always been cooking for the pastors. And I'm the one that's always been baking the cupcakes. Y'all know who baked the cupcakes for the women's event. But yet along comes somebody that is recently new. And now they're already doing something that I've been praying for. I got news to tell you. You want nobody to detect or nobody to direct when God decides to use somebody. The truth of the matter is that God can use someone that walks through the door right now. And the difference is that it is a matter of the heart. Because someone that comes to God could possibly be coming with a hunger saying, God... If there is anything that you can use, use me. Who are you to tell God who can he use and when can he use him? Because we want God to use us, but then we want to tell God how he can use us. I remember when I first started in the ministry, Bishop told me, okay, you're going to start in the Bible Institute. And I said, they're going to make me secretary or something like that. And he said, no, you're going to be the one frying the empanadas for the break. I'm like, okay. And you best believe it. At 7.15, they had a, like 100 empanadas, and I'm the one frying them and the one collecting the money. And then on top of that, putting that oil back in the gallon. And he says, one planted and another watered, but God gave the increase. And I'm so upset when people think that the more gifts you buy your leaders, the more God will increase you. And that's the wrong concept. That does, that's not how it works. Well, maybe if we take them to the fanciest restaurant, maybe if we do this, and maybe if we do that, and maybe if I do, no, 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 no. You could do all of that, buy them a house, pay whatever you want, but if it's not in God, let me just step there. Because, I mean, the Bible says it is God who gives the increase. So tell the person next to you, this is not a competition, baby. Mm -mm. Maybe I'm the planter. You're the one that waters it. There is no time for competition, and this is the thing that people want to compete because sometimes they want to be the planter, and they're like, why am I the one that has to water? Because a lot of people fight with the notion that watering takes work. Mm -hmm. 
because planting is just I put it in the dirt and that's it and then somebody has to come and you don't water just things one day and that's it you have to continuously come to water it so it's about who's willing to do the work come on somebody the next time you look at somebody doing what they're doing take a moment and think about the price they had to pay to be where they're at as a matter of fact tell somebody you don't know what it costs me to be here you don't know the cost of the oil you don't know the hell I had to go through to be where I'm at so excuse me for a moment but I'm not trying to compete with you because I know my lane you know yours stay there and eventually we'll do what we gotta do I got no time for you to be telling me how to do my job I'm focused doing mine focused doing yours because at the end of the day you ain't increasing it your sister ain't increasing it your mama ain't increasing it your pastor ain't increasing it your teacher ain't increasing it the one that gets increased uh, to the seed that is planted and the seed that is watered is God and only God so have a seat for a moment and like Pastor Marshall says have several seats it is God's will for you to increase it is his will for us to increase Ain't nobody that stands here and preaches and teaches to you without the hope of you understanding that it is God who wants you to have increase. But we can preach sermon through sermon, teaching through teaching, but if you don't know what to do with the info that you receive, then what good is it? That's like going to a gym. And you're in front of these machines and you have no idea what to do with them. Um, newsflash, going to the gym and taking a selfie is not a workout. I don't need to know you're in the gym 24-7. Like, I don't, I, no. If I'm in front of a machine, I don't know what to do with it, then what's the point of it? You could say, I'm going to go on a diet, but if you don't know how to do the right thing, if you don't study about it, you could be dieting all you want, and two weeks across the line, you gain five pounds. If you do not know what to do with the information that you receive, then what good is it? It is God who gives increase. And in life, I've learned that to be planted is destiny concealed. And to have increase is destiny revealed. Can I say that again? To be planted is destiny concealed. And to have increase is destiny revealed. So when you plant a seed, you don't plant it and you say that the planting is its final destination. You don't do that. You plant it and you don't see it anymore. That's the seed being concealed. But when the seed begins to grow, that's the destiny being revealed. You plant it in the hopes that in the end it will bear fruit. And there's an in-between of the destiny concealed and the destiny revealed. And that in-between is the one that nobody really wants. Everybody wants 
the revealed, the finished product. The singles want the marriage because they're like, that looks good, and but they don't want the in-between of how to get to a successful and healthy marriage. And, and, and the people want the calling, but they don't want the in-between. You think that one day I just got up and God gave me a mic and this is what happened? No. There were moments of the in-between. There's still moments of the in-between. And the in-between process is called watering. And it would be irrelevant and crazy if we only focus on the planting and the increase and not focus of the in-between, which is the watering. And the watering is the last step before increase. It is a pivotal and transitional point between what is concealed and what is revealed. And without the benefit of watering, the destiny will die in the ground. Everything needs watering. I dare you, go plant something. Don't water it. And see how you're standing in front of it and nothing happens and it just dies in the ground, never reaching its potential because it was simply not being watered. What a shame. Because one seed can produce so much. And what a shame that that one seed produced nothing because it wanted to skip the process of being watered. And so my question to you today is, have you ever been watered? Have you ever been watered? And you know, agriculture is such a common thing with God because from the beginning of Genesis, when God created every living thing in Genesis 1 and 2, it says that he created everything with a seed inside of it. Follow me. And he was kind of saving himself some work because had he not created the seed, he would have had to be coming down every time we needed more of something and saying, let there be. But because he is God and he is so smart, he said, let me create something the first time and create it with a seed in it so that it could have the ability to reproduce on its own. That's a smart God. Everything, everything. Let me put a seed so we can reproduce. Let me do this because if not, then God would have to be doing so much work and saying, let there be more watermelon. Let there be another Claudia. There'll never be another Claudia. Let there be this and let there be that. But he said, no, no, no. Let me put a seed in it so that it could reproduce on its own. The Bible does say, while the earth remaineth, there will always be day and night, cold and heat. Agriculture is derived from two contributors. And when I found this out, I was like, man, this is so good. Agra and cult. And agra speaks to vegetation and cult. Well, you know what a cult is. Uh, a group of people that believe in something that just doesn't make sense and it's not orthodox and it doesn't make sense in the religious view. 
And we call them a cult because it's not ordinary, it's not normal. So we have agra and we have cult. So if you put, if you take cult and you put agra in front of it, listen to this because this is going to make you shout. The living thing is not normal to the ground it's in. Can I say that again? So if you take a cult and you put agra in front of it, agriculture, the living thing is not normal to the ground that is in. So in other words, it didn't grow naturally. It was planted. Ah, can I say that again? So agriculture means I made it grow. It's not ordinary. It doesn't normally grow in this type of soil, but it is something that had to be forced to grow in a soil that isn't common. This is why, even though people believe that you don't belong in that job, you are still growing because the God that gives increase is making sure that seed grows even in a place that is not the typical place for it to grow. This is why, even though people think you don't belong in that ministry, God is making the seed grow because there is a difference between being buried and a difference between being planted. And I have come to Port St. Lucie to tell somebody God has planted you. And even though you feel like you can't keep watering it, God is about to send somebody that's going to want to invest in your seed. They're going to tell you, I'm coming with the water, baby. I'm coming with buckets and gallons, and I'm going to water the seed that is inside of you. Tell somebody, I have been planted. I have been planted. Have you been planted? Anybody here is being planted? Anybody here is being planted? And so I need you to understand something. When you bury something, you bury it, and you don't stay there to be like, let's see what happens tomorrow. No. You bury it with the notion of forgetting that it's even there. You bury a person that passed away. And you don't stay there like, let me see if tomorrow they come out of the coffin. No. But when you plant something. Oh, I wish you could. When you plant something. Because my dad and I, we decided to plant some jalapenos because, man, I love jalapenos. And when we planted, I kept going every day. Like, is it growing? Is it growing? Is it growing? I was expecting. When you plant, you know that something will come out of what you planted. And there's a lot of people that assume that you have been buried and that nothing will come out of what you're planting. But man, I got something to remind you that God's about to show up and he's going to show them that not only you were planted, but you were rooted. Because there are things that are planted, but they never form a root. We planted eggplants. 
And when we went to dig, the eggplants were like this small. And we saw that there was no root. It was a, it was a weak root. And then we compared everything else that we planted and we saw that it was fruitful because it was rooted. That is why it's important for you to congregate yourself. I love that we have Facebook Live and I love that we have all this digital stuff, but if I am real with you, an impartation that you receive in-house is very different than an impartation you receive via Facebook Live. And it's not about numbers, it's not about offerings, it's not about things, it's about the fact that when you home, do not tell me that you are just as in tune as if you were to be in person because you know very well that you are texting Fulana and you are probably doing your pedicure at the same time that you are making lunch or whatever it is that you're doing. What will your roots say about you? Maybe just maybe this is why every time the storm comes, you're easily shaken. This is why you run at the first sign of a storm. Where are my roots? We passed by and drove a lot of trees and palm trees are so amazing because have you ever seen a palm tree in the middle of a storm? It's like side to side. So how are your roots? If we dig, how deep are they rooted? Because this walk and this fight is not about a superficial kind of root. This is about a deep-rooted kind of root. And so when you plant a seed, you're not burying to get rid of it. You're planting it so that it can go through a metamorphosis and it can come back a better product than when it was when you planted it. So that it can bear fruit. And I've come to remind you, yes, you are being planted. And when you come back out of what you are being planted in, you are coming back a better product than what you were before. I dare you to believe that in the next couple of days, you're coming back up and you're coming back up stronger than before. I dare you to believe, God, that the next days that you are coming. See, because this is the thing about being planted. When the seed is planted, it is planted in a dark and lonely place. Have you ever been in a dark and lonely place? when it feels like people just forgot about you. You're like, okay, I was planted, but now what? It's dark, it's lonely. I keep getting watered, and it seems like it's a flood that keeps coming down. God is telling you, I need you to trust the process. You were about to get revealed into your destiny. I know it feels lonely in here. I know it feels a little bit cold in here. I know it feels like you're stuck and lost, and nobody's paying attention to you, but I need you to tell somebody, I'm coming back up baby and when I come back up uh, get ready to see what's growing out of me the person you saw a couple of days ago ain't the person you are gonna see when I come back up uh, I'm coming back up uh, and I'm putting up a fire to remind the devil I've been planted and not buried uh, people signing up to see your funeral you better tell them, listen, show up and you ain't gonna find me there. 
ain't going to find me there. Some people are suspecting me of staying in that dark. somebody, somebody your pain, and it's like they're encouraging the pain. I don't need you to encourage my pain. I need you to remind me that God planted me. I need you to remind me that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I need you to remind me that greater is he who is in me than he who is against me. I need you to remind me that the entire world may come up against me, but there is still a seed inside of me. I need you to remind me that God is the one who planted me. And because God is the one that planted me, he is the one that's going to give me increase. Careful who wants to water your seed. Better yet, don't be so quick to reject the one that God sent to water your seed. saying, I only drink alkaline water, not the Poland spray. You'd be surprised. We do events and their honorarium requests. Oh, Jesus. Is this organic chicken? You? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We bought it at the Vivero uh, in the Bronx Avenue. Yeah, it's the best organic chicken I ever ate. I'm sure it was, hon. I'm sure it was. And God will use whoever he has to use to water your seed. But the thing is that we only want certain people to water them. And we believe that there are certain people that are not capable of watering the seed. And then we believe that we can only receive watering from a certain group of people. And, and we believe that, you know what, I'd rather just sit here and wait. Well, sit there and die. Because maybe, just maybe, the person you are rejecting is the one that God has set to water your seed. Another man waters, and another man plants, and God gives increase. Have you wondered why you've been crying so much lately? Just storms after storms. The unexpected. Kind of those seasons where the battle chooses you. And it says learn to pick your battles, right? Which battles you pick and you, you know, which ones you fight. And the married couples, the husband knows right now which fights to pick and which ones not to. But then what happens when the battle chooses you? The unexpected battle. 
the one you never thought coming and a matter of fact the battle that you never thought would come from the person that it came from and so you ask yourself God what is this and have you ever been in a season where all you do is cry and cry and cry and I was in a season like that when I was telling God man it seems like there is no breakthrough it seems like every day it's a dark cloud and it seems like when I try to catch my breath it seems like somebody just comes and puts me right on the water and God I'm just tired of crying and God I'm just tired of this and, and God led me to that verse that says that he that go forth and weeping listen to this bearing precious seed Bearing precious seed will surely, without doubt, come up again with rejoicing. Can I say that again? Because I don't think you understood it. It says, he that goes forth and weepeth, he that goes forth and is crying, he that goes forth bearing precious seed will surely, without a doubt, come up again with great rejoicing. So maybe the process you're going through is only an indicator that you are watering the seed. Maybe people have given up on you and are tired of trying to water the seed. God's saying it's okay. If you trust the process, the Bible tells me that God takes count of every tear and he keeps account of it so that when your seed needs to be watered, he takes that jar and he begins to water the seed. He begins to water the seed and the Bible tells me that he will come up again with much joy. This is why, why you've been crying for so long. This is why the nights seem endless. This is why, because you've been watering your seed. And some people can't and don't want to deal with people that carry seed. They cannot deal with the fact that there is a seed inside of you. Some people want to step in when there is a finished product. But I believe there are people that are willing to say, God, I'm going to trust the in-between. I'm going to trust the water. can become aware that it was God who did it for you and no man did. I remember one day I was driving with my daughter and all of a sudden I began to feel a sharp pain on my left side. hear her telling me that I was mumbling words and she couldn't understand. And I'm driving and I'm pleading to God, don't let me get into an accident. 
remembered that there was a local urgent care that was close by. And I drove and I said, God, just, just, just give me the ability to be able to make it there. And I noticed my daughter next to me. And she had an eraser board. She took out a marker. And she said, Mommy, look. And in the marker, she said, the devil is a liar. And I've come to tell somebody, whoever told you your seed is dying, the devil is a liar. I ended up in the hospital for a total of 10 days. And the doctor's like, honestly, you're going to die. And I told them, my daughter told me the devil is a liar. Sometimes you just need a voice to remind you the devil is a liar. And each and every one of you here has a seed. And it just needs a little bit of water. If that is you who is saying, I just need a little bit of water. I'm going to ask you to come up to the altar. Don't wait for tomorrow what can be done today because some of you honestly need this watering like right now. You're like, no, I'll wait for next time a preacher comes or I'll wait for the next moment. I'll wait for the next service. And God's like, listen, this is 911 because you're so close to a dry sea. And God's like, just let me water it. Just let me water the sea.